Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Hi, River's Edge, and welcome to the Midweek Podcast, which is devoted exclusively to journeying together through uh, COVID-19 and all the changes that it's brought. It seems that things have settled down a bit this last week, but we've had a few big announcements along the way. Uh, School is officially canceled, K-12, through for the rest of the year uh, through June. Uh, and they also announced that shelter-in-place in the state of Washington is extended to May 4th. And uh, again, we got an announcement from the CDC and others that are now recommending that everyone wear masks in public when you're going to the grocery stores uh, and to other public places. Uh, it also sounds like uh, some of the uh, government aid is slowly being rolled out into different uh, sectors of the economy. So hoping that that will provide some relief uh, across the board, at least here in America. Uh, But if you've been following our Sunday podcast, you know that we ended our series this last Sunday on practicing the way of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke, and we ended with the practice of engaging the outsider, or those who are on the margins, people who don't know Jesus, and engaging them effectively. And I think this practice is really crucial for us to grow in as followers of Jesus, but we also recognize that the COVID world presents some unique challenges when it comes to engaging anyone, uh, whether they're in our our community, whether they consider themselves a disciple of Jesus or not. Uh, So we wanted to continue Sunday's conversation by asking specifically, what does it look like to engage others effectively in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 situation that we find ourselves in? And so I've got Kelly Walters here with me who did the teaching on Sunday. And Kelly, maybe I'll start by turning it over to you. And I was hoping you could start by just telling us generally uh, how all of this has affected you and Diana over the last uh, month and then we'll narrow in on the question of engaging as we go. Okay, sounds good. Uh, well, I think uh, my favorite word the last month has been discombobulated. <laughs> and I'm not sure the exact definition, but that's it just kind of self-explanatory. Um, you know, disoriented, just uh, thrown off. Uh, and, and I think everyone has experienced it. I'm, I'm right now, this week, I'm working on a blog for my counseling office about how this uh, period, this COVID-19 uh, crisis is, ex- is uh, affecting marriages. And I, there's been some articles I've read about that, but from my own experience, my wife and I, ironically, we were teaching a marriage class about the uh, techniques and practices of having a good marriage, and then this thing hit. Right. And the first thing, the first week I noticed that we were getting in all kinds of squabbles and little irritations and disrespectful communication, the very things we try to encourage people not to do. <laughs> and and I just noticed that. I thought, this is really interesting. What is it about this? Hmm. And I think it just is affecting so, it's affected our 
um, our expectations, our patterns, our habits uh, are, and then add all kinds of stress. Right. You know, we're worried either about the future for ourselves or in our case, we're doing pretty well as far as financially. We're not worried. My job is okay. We, we um, d- don't have many expenses at this point. We don't have kids at home. And our house is paid off, so a lot of good things. So we're not personally worried, but we have a, a lot of people around us that either have lost their job or their job has been cut in half or they are um, living um, just uh, paycheck to paycheck. In fact, I just read uh, yesterday, I think, that they estimate that 40% of Americans just live paycheck wow. to paycheck. Yeah. And so if your paycheck is taken away, then suddenly you're in debt. And so those kinds of things uh, as are, are a stressor for us. And then not being able to see people, not being able to see our grandkids, uh, just the restrictions, I think, has, and not being able to go to church or our home group right. or missional community. I think all of those things put an, a stress in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we don't know when this will end. Right. So I would say we're probably affected. We have each other. Uh, and our foster daughter, Sarah, who just moved out yesterday, but we've had her in our home and we've had some good time being together. Uh, at the same time, we don't uh, get a chance to go <laughs> elsewhere and right. have our kind of time of re- release from um, kind of our own time. Uh, right. so, it's kind of like a pressure cooker. You know? Yes, it's it like is. It's like this contained environment and you just keep adding like pressure and stress and stress and pressure and there's no outlet for it. Like yeah, my and wife, it's we all just the got outlets our first pressure cooker. Away. And I just like right. have that image in my mind of like when, where's the outlet? Like where does that, where does all that pressure and heat go? Uh, of course, it's going to affoft marriage and yes, relationships because exactly. those are the only two people that are like inside <laughs> most of the pressure cookers together. So yes, where do where do you vent? Yeah. And I was writing this morning that there are, um, you know, every couple has a, a kind of a rhythm of time time they are together and time that they are on their own doing their own thing. And for a lot of people, for a lot of families, all of a sudden there is no alone time. There is no personal time. You're right. not even separated from work. And so you're trying to not only be together and maybe even enjoy being together, mm-hmm. uh, but you are working, doing your job from home. I mm-hmm. did a little of that a couple weeks ago. Uh, your kids are at home and you're doing, you know, helping them with their homework. So all of those things, I think, put a lot of stress on us. Uh, but the biggest challenge to me is how do we live, as we talked about last week, how do we live our life as believers in such a way that we are connecting with each other, that we are loving um, those close to us, and also we are engaging the outsider like we talked about. So that's been the real challenge. Right. Yeah, what does it look like? Maybe we can turn our attention there now, kind of that question of, hey, we're all, you know, whether we've lost our jobs or not, we all kind of have this sense of disorientation, this sense of pressure, this sense of isolation, um, and for me, it's kind of gone in waves over the last few right. weeks of like first week is like crazy. I can't figure out like, you know, I, I want my feet to land on solid ground. And then second week I think, oh, I get it. And then third week I'm like, wait a second, I'm totally disoriented again. How do I adjust to this world? And so everyone's dealing with that. But then we're thinking about how can we effectively um, follow Jesus? How can we um, walk effectively in our discipleship and just be the church in this moment. And a big part of it has to do with engagement. Um, how do we engage one another effectively? 
um, and how do we uh, effectively engage uh, the outsiders or the lost or whatever term you'd want to use for people who who don't know Jesus. So maybe we could turn our attention there and just think about what effective engagement looks like in a world that is demanding physical isolation. Yeah, it's it's really the, uh, yeah, it's a tremendous challenge. And I've been realizing that so much of our engagement uh, that we have is is structured in the past. You go to church, you go to work, uh, you maybe have a missional community, and you see those people. And when you see those people, maybe, <laughs> I mean, we, we joke about this with our small group, that often we're the leaders and we don't even feel like going, uh, you know, some weeks because right. we're tired and yeah. you'd kind of rather just do your own thing, but you're committed and you get there and then you remember how wonderful it is to see people and maybe you um, share some of your needs or maybe other people are struggling and you pray for them and you come away feeling very fulfilled and engaged and and then maybe you follow up with somebody because you realize what they're going through. Mm-hmm. But all that's taken away. Right. You're no longer carried by that. Or yes. before it felt like you could kind of be carried. Like, yeah, it was still it's still a discipline in a sense. It's still a commitment. I commit right. to wake up early on Sunday and get there or whatever. Yeah. I commit to like hosting this group even when I, I don't feel immediately excited about it. But there's something about that structure that by the time you get there, it can it kind of carries you along. Right. And you're both encouraged and you're also challenged perhaps. Right. And then you have opportunities to minister and, or maybe other people are ministering to you and it's all fairly organic and fluid. Mm-hmm. And and that's all stripped away. Right. It's, all of that support, all of that kind of being, yes. the momentum, I guess, of those structures have been stripped away. Yeah. And I think it works both in terms of being supported, but also in terms of being able to support others. So... So let me throw that out to you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll I have some thoughts too. But um, so, how do you think, Matt? How can we, uh, I guess, stay in that game of building relationships and you know touching people and and having our needs uh, met and so forth? If there's this separation, then we're supposed to stay apart. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, I think for the sake of conversation today, we're, we're lumping the two together. We're just yeah. engaged. We're just kind of doing a broad brushstroke of engagement. Sunday was specifically about engaging the lost, but I think they're so, um, related in, in, in this climate that we're in, that we're, we're kind of going to talk about them both in the same breath. So right. how do I engage effectively with people who are in my, in my community, others, disciples of Jesus and how I engage the, the lost and, and people who are outside of the kingdom feels very similar at this point in terms of like, you, but the, the bottom line for me is that you, you, you have to be driven. Like there has to be some kind of discipline. There has to be just this, this intentionality that you bring to it. It's not just going to happen. And I think that's what I heard yes. in what you were saying. Like I can kind of limp in, into a church gathering. I like that limp into. Yeah. Just right. like, I'll just get we myself there. Like I'll, you know, get, turn the car on and just get myself over there and then it'll happen. I'll wake up and connect with people and come alive yes. and we don't have that anymore. And so yes. I think there has to be some sort of internal drive. If you just sit on your couch and say, well, I'll wait for other people to reach out to me, then you just kind of sit there and you're like, well, I guess, I guess I'll just start watching Netflix or whatever and just yes. like kill the time. And hey, wow, two weeks went by and I'm really lonely. And why didn't anyone reach out to me? Like what's, <laughs> yes. what's wrong with all these people, you know? And right. everyone else is maybe sitting on their couch doing the same thing. So right. the first note that regardless of who you're trying to engage, 
it, there has to be some sort of desire in your heart and maybe you don't have that and you go and ask God for it. Um, but you even need to have the desire to go ask God to give yes. you that desire. Like it has to start somewhere yes. in terms of like, wow, I'm actually going to make a point to do this because I think when there's any sort of indifference or apathy or, well, I've always kind of let the structures carry me. So I'll see who carries me now. Uh, it, it's just not there. And I think that's part of the, the disorienting factor. So that's like yes. bottom, bottom baseline thing for me. If you want to continue to connect and grow in biblical community, you have to make the choice. You have to reach out. If you have to, if you want to, you know, continue in just growing and expressing your passion for the lost and inviting them into the kingdom, you have to make the effort. You have to reach out. Um, and, and so I would start there and then I, I, I'm ready to like segue into prayer, but yeah, I don't no, want to cut you exactly off. That's exactly where I yeah, want to go. I think that's because the so, other So the then other that piece. brings up the question. So, um, so you're right. You, we have to be in, we have to be so intentional. It doesn't happen spontaneously. Just being selfish happens spontaneously. Right. right? Yeah. But, but uh, reaching out, uh, I mean, to people who are very close to us, to my children or, or whatever, that has to be intentional too. It doesn't just happen this way. So, um, so it, it has to be a intentional uh, but then the next question is because it, because of the barriers, I can't just reach out to let's say okay I'm going to text thirty people that are in you know on my contact list or that I have a relationship with. That's not realistic. So so literally I think the next step that we that we in the other the old world we didn't always have to do uh, is prayer. And right. that's that part, um, ironically, as I was uh, giving that message about the ways of Jesus that we see how he engaged the outsider, uh, one of the points was prayer. And uh, it sometimes, and I know you probably find this, Matt, too, you prepare a message and then you give a message, and then in the process, you're really convicted yourself. Oh, totally, yeah. And even though I had experienced and told some stories about prayer and how God has, has used prayer in my life to, to help us reach people, uh, I was really convicted that particular thing that I just have not been consistently setting aside prayer and especially prayer for inner, like interceding for people prayer mm -hmm. uh, and another type of prayer that is, um, is what I'm going to talk about right now. They think we have to, if we're going to, if we're going to reach um, people and really obey Christ is, is the prayer where we, we come before the Lord, as I suggested last week, a little bit, come before the Lord and, and say, here am I, send me. And Lord, where do you want me to go? Where, who do you want me to be intentional by? Right. And just literally, that's a time of listening, a uh, time of, of, of seeking. And, and it, you can start certainly with the people that you know God has put in your life, your children, uh, you know, parents, um, you know, family members, uh, people in your missional community. It can be also for us, we have, my wife and I, we have a number of people we consider spiritual children. Right. That we have a responsibility. We know in the past God's put those people in our lives and we need to, we're committed to following up, following through with them, but we have to be intentional with them. But in addition, just God, where do you, you know, who would you put on our lives that's, that are outside of that circle or maybe, um, you know, have just started to kind of come into our, our circle or relationships? And, and that takes, I think, Diane and I were talking about this this morning. Literally, it was, we were doing this very thing. We were preparing, uh, preparing to go into our day and asking God, where do you want us to go? Who can we uh, reach out to? Um, who would you put on our hearts? And in the process of 
doing that, we realized that um, it would not happen unless we took that time. Right. And out of that time of prayer, Diana said this, uh, used this phrase, which I really liked. And she said, okay, after we had prayed for a little bit for just various things and various people, she said, okay, I feel like here are my marching orders for today. Hmm. And she t- brought up several people that she felt like she, w- she needed to contact today, uh, whether it was a phone call or a text or something, but she was going to try to contact those people. And, and then I wrote down several people too that I felt was on my heart that we, we needed to, um, to connect with. And so I think that's what we have to do. But in, in the past, maybe once in a while, that would kind of happen that we would, I would do that. But now I think it's necessary. If we don't do that, if we don't discern that, then we're going to end up kind of slipping into the, the isolation and the self-centered lifestyle um, that this time kind of allows us to do. Right. And, and I think that because a lot of the other kind of structures that were very helpful and really created yeah. a sense of momentum and we're excited to get back to some of those, you know, public gatherings because, yeah. because of we've lost all of that. I think it's even more important that we rely on the spirit because even for me as who a person who was already pretty self-directed and a self-starter, I still have that sense of disorientation of like, wait, who am I supposed to be talking to right now? Right. I only have so many hours in the day. Um, personally as a pastor, I feel like I have more work than I did before, you know, COVID-19 came along. So like, oh, my day's pretty packed, but I have this drive, this desire to connect with people in our community and, and be building them up and equipping them. But then also people outside of our community have said, wow, this is such an amazing opportunity to talk to all of my friends and family members who, who aren't walking with Jesus. And so I, I want that. I have that desire but it can feel kind of like grasping in the dark a little bit about yes. like, I have to reach out into this like black hole into the silence and, and Lord, you have to direct my hand. Like you have to tell me who to reach yes. for. Otherwise I'm just kind of swinging in the dark and just like, just seeing, you know, it's just seeing what happens and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there is this extra call to be reliant on the Holy spirit and to really like grow in that. And the beautiful thing about what you're describing is it just reminds me so powerfully of what Jesus did. And you see this in the gospels where it's near the start of his ministry. Um, he's launched, you know, out into, in, I forget which town it is, but there's like all of a sudden the whole town is stirred up. They're coming to him. They're coming to him. Night comes yeah. and he wakes up early in the morning before the sun rises. He leaves. He gets out. He goes to a solitary place. He's practicing silence and solitude. For those of you who were tracking with the last series, he's practicing prayer. And that's all sorts of different types of prayer. But specifically, he's being filled with the spirit. He's practicing listening prayer. He's receiving his marching orders right. from his father. So he comes back and it's still early in the morning. And everybody says, where, where were you? Right. Like, Jesus, what are you doing out there by yourself? Like we have a whole the, agenda planned yeah, the, for you. Yeah. The day's packed. <laughs> the whole town is here. We, you know, we need this many exorcisms. We need this many physical healings. We need like, like everyone right. and, and their mom is out here to like meet you. Yeah. And he says, it's time to go. Like it's time to go to, it's time to go on to the next city. This is why I came to proclaim the kingdom. And essentially he's saying, the father has told me that now it's time to move on. I have these marching orders that cut totally against the grain of what you see in the natural and the the people who are lining up at the door and who wouldn't want to stay in in that town and milk that and, and, you know, minister all these hundreds or thousands of people. Um, And, but he knows he's, he's spent time in silence and solitude. He's got direction from the father. And so you sort of see like a bunch of the spirit 
spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about yeah. all coming together in there. Yeah. He's got passion for the lost. He's got all sorts of prayer going on. He's in silence and solitude. Um, he's being filled with the spirit. And that is, that's shaping his agenda. Yes. I mean, you look at, you look at like what Jesus did and it just doesn't, there's just no way to describe it. It's like when he's talking to, I think it's to Nicodemus and he says, Hey, the, like the, you know where the wind, you don't know where the wind came from. You don't know where it's headed. That's how it is with the spirit and the people who are filled with yeah. the spirit. He had this way about him that was unpredictable. I'm sure if you would like charted his course, hmm. you know, around Galilee on a map, you'd say, what is this? This isn't like, this isn't a coordinated rock tour, you know, where you like hit the big cities in <laughs> right. the right order. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, back across the lake, back over here, small town, big town, yes. that town, cutting, cutting, cutting the short, going here. Yes. It's because he's filled with the spirit and he's led by the spirit. And so I think we need to have, to, to, ha to practice, really yes. lean into that during well, this time and say, we can do that too. Yeah, and, and Matt, as you were saying that, it's kind of exciting me because one of the things you and I and, and, and some of the leaders even last night on the Zoom meeting we were talking about is is what um, what can we learn during this time? Like, how can the church actually grow? How can hmm. we grow as people? Right. And what hit me as you were talking about that right now is that this is forcing us to live more like that. Mm-hmm. We, again, we can't depend on just the structures, the 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 buildings, the um, the. I can't depend on Pastor Matt giving me <laughs> the the message every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Literally, if I'm going to grow spiritually, and I, and this is kind of a something you and I were talking about a little bit before that every um, believer, let's say every person who calls Rivers Edge their home, uh, yes, they can listen to podcasts, but they need to be digging into the word. They need to spend time with the Lord. Right. And then as far as reaching other people, as far as connecting with people, we need to be intentional. So we need to listen, spend more time. So that's the number one thing I've been convicted about is that I need to give myself regular time to seek God for direction mm -hmm. and, and just seek God for interceding. That was the other thing that really hit me this morning as I was praying about this time, um, this podcast is that um, we often, if we care about people, then we think, okay, I need to connect with them. We see how I can help them out. But so many things that in the past, maybe you would go spend time with them, meet them for coffee. Maybe you would make a meal or you'd invite them over for dinner. So many of those things are taken away, mm -hmm. but we, but prayer is not taken away. And so how much can be done just by the spirit if we just spend time interceding for people? Mm-hmm. And Diane and I, we had a great time praying for um, various people in our lives this morning, just interceding and interceding passionately for them. And and I think we need to get back to doing that and making that a priority. And I love what you mentioned earlier, and we were chatting for a bit before we you know, sat right. down to do the podcast. And I love what you said earlier about kind of learning lessons from our brothers and sisters around the world and even looking at the example of China and thinking like there was a time in China where there were churches and there were church leaders, you know, kind of before the rise of communism and the cultural revolution and thinking about that model and like, hey, how how is that going? And, and how many you know followers of Jesus were there in China? Then you get this wave of communism that comes through and burns the churches to the ground, you know, executes or arrests all of these church leaders. Everyone's scattered. They send try all the missionaries away too. Right. Just like close the border. Yeah. Send, send all the missionaries out, close the borders, just do everything you can to stamp this thing out. 
And at that point, it was really, I think, sink or swim for followers of Jesus in China, who their leaders are gone, their church buildings are burned to the ground. They're, by law, not allowed to gather publicly or or talk about these things. Um, And then I love what you were sharing about that, about how did that play out uh, over time? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've I've heard about it before, and I just looked it up again uh, recently, but but so the pastors were were arrested or killed, and literally two million people were m- murdered, and many of them for their faith. Mm. And uh, so the the uh, the government was trying to basically eradicate Christianity, and and its influence and and other religions too. And so then the church went underground, what was left of it. And then years later, when the revolution was over, and there was a little more openness for the church um, to kind of come out of, of, of hiding, even though there were still some restrictions, uh, people went back in, and, and Western missionaries, let's say, went back in and found that the church had actually not shrunk, it had exploded. Hmm. And it has continued to grow at a rate that they estimate that uh, in, in another 10 years, uh, that it will be uh, the population of the, the Christian population in China will be greater than all of the American population in total. Hmm. So it'll be the largest wow. Christian uh, nation, most Christianized hmm. nation in the world, right. as far as uh, sheer numbers, and and uh, so that's just a, a inspiring thing. And I've known that for years, and I've thought about what was it that when we were talking this morning. Maybe you can reflect on why do you think the church grew when the pastors were taken away? <laughs> pastors were the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, no, um, you know, pastors were taken away, the buildings were taken away, um, the missionaries. Um, from uh, Western missionaries who were there in China to help, you know, lead lead uh, the church uh, were were sent away. And so, why did the church thrive? What do you think? I mean, to me, it's really like sink or swim. And before this started. Uh, we were just getting our kids into swim lessons for the first time. And you <laughs> right. learn about like, oh, what kind of classes do you have? And they're like, oh, well, we can start at like three months or six months or whatever. And like, you would throw a six-month-old in a pool and they literally will throw them into the pool with the right instructor. But it's it's sink or swim. And so it becomes this like either... In that sense, like either you were getting carried along by the structures and your pastor gets executed, the the buildings burnt down and that's it. You just kind of walk away and just, huh, well, okay, I'm like off that bandwagon. Or you, you, you step it up. You say, I'm going to take ownership over this. I, God's with me. I have the Holy Spirit. I understand. Like maybe I've smuggled a, a copy of the scriptures that I can still read or whatever. I'm going to walk with Jesus. And I think what that tells me is that the the indigenous Chinese population took ownership over their right. faith. Even though they were being persecuted, even though they'd seen a bunch of their leaders executed or arrested, even though they knew that the same fate could, could happen to them, right. they said, no, I, this it's worth it. And, and Jesus says it'll be worth it. And so I think there's a sense of ownership there. And I think during what the one of the reasons, I mean, that's just powerful in any context, but it resonates even more deeply in this time because there's a sense in which we are deprived of the Sunday gathering. We are deprived of our of our buildings in a sense. There's 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 a parallel, even though we don't face the same persecution. And there, I think it's very sobering and and kind of a, a humbling experience for the Western Church to all of a sudden be operating in this space. And I sense myself turning to them and their experience and saying, wow, I feel like we have so much to learn in humility from our brothers and sisters in China and in many other countries around the world. 
who have been operating this way uh, for decades or maybe even centuries in some cases, uh, kind of doing the underground thing. How do you do that? And I think it has to do with, with ownership. To me, it comes back to that like drive. Am, am I going to like go and seek this out for myself? What does it look like for me more as an individual to reach out and connect with another lost person by the direction of the spirit as an individual and do this one-on-one thing. Um, How do you know who to reach out to? Well, you're asking God. What do you do before you go to them? Well, you pray. Everything we've been talking about in this podcast and that we talked on Sunday, the church in China has been doing that. They can't just stand out, they, in, you know, on the corner and just say, hey, everybody, you know, listen right. up, you know, here's the gospel. Like, it has to be a spirit-led one person to one person. Mm. There's risk involved. It's hopefully directed by the spirit. Well, to see those numbers, you say, my goodness, right. the spirit's all over that, this exponential growth. I think it's the fastest growing movement. I think it's outpacing the early church in terms yes. of how fast it's growing in China. So uh, I I find a lot of inspiration in that. And I think like, if they can do it, we can do it. Uh, we're not, maybe we're not used to it, and it's kind of a wake-up call, but this is the way that, and it's how, how it happened in the early church. Like, so much of church history and current, current churches around the world, the way that discipleship works is you're underground. You own it for yourself. You pray. You're directed by the Spirit. It's a little more one-on-one discipleship. Yes. I'm going to invest in this person, invite them in, share my faith with them, bring them along for the ride. Uh, and... I think the reason that this is important, what we're talking about right now, isn't just for this month, isn't just for, oh, hey, you know, May 4th, all the restrictions, you know, are going to start lifting, we'll go back to normal. In some sense, that's true. As they say, you can gather in groups of 10, groups of 50, groups of 200, whatever. I do think that we're going to ease back into some of the stuff what we've been doing. But I think one of the things that's really hit me in these last few weeks, and one of the things that everybody's saying is the the, the world on the other side is going to be different. Right. We're, we're, we really are entering a new world, not just like a new normal that's disorienting right now, but this is shaping the world in, in, in very quickly so that when we do come out on the other side, there's going to be a new world and hopefully a new or renewed church um, that's ready to operate in, in, in the new world. Well, you know, as you mentioned that, um, I think the China analogy um, fits really well because when there was a, a little less persecution uh, in terms of uh, the, the, the brutal persecution of the church, uh, when that was, was um, relieved a little bit, there is still a lot of limitations. And so the church still either has to register and have all kinds of restrictions and, 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 and maybe not function as the church, um, or or still be underground. So the majority of the church, from what I understand in China, is still underground. Yes. And there can be informants, you know, that, that you know, go to a service or whatever, so they have to be very careful. So it still is, they're forced to, as you were mentioning, um, for their discipleship to be more intentional, mm-hmm. a more, um, probably more intense, uh, to be on a smaller scale, like you said, one one on one, or or just with you know the small groups. The life of the church is probably built around more of the small groups, and then then the individual believers again have to dig in for themselves, and and they they teach each other and model for each other how to pray and how to search the scriptures and how to grow. and And I know as a as a small group leader, uh, the we have a lot of younger people in our group, and Diane and I we talk about this all the time with our group that that our greatest, I guess, our kind of our dream for 
the people in our group is not for them to, let's say, come faithfully every week and to, you know, maybe participate with different things and enjoy coming, but for them to be, for them to be growing themselves, for them to be digging into the scriptures, for them to be discovering a life of prayer and worship, mm. and, and for them to be sharing their faith. So in other words, for them to become less dependent on us for their spiritual growth and more, um, more, I guess, living, um, you know, the, the life of the, their faith themselves. And so, because we know with a lot of the young people we have, maybe they're in college or a little after college and they're probably going to end up, you know, going somewhere else and, and how will they function down the road Mm -hmm. and will they be leading their own groups and so forth? That's kind of the desire we have. So, so what this can do when I, as we're talking is I'm hoping that what will come out of it is that we, we will dig down, we will learn to become more intentional with, with each other. We'll be less dependent on, on the structures mm-hmm. that have supported us before and that, uh, and that we'll learn to uh, pray for, prayerfully uh, discern who God's calling us to and then to be very intentional and faithful to follow through with those people on a regular basis. One, I, there's some practical things I think it'd be good for us to maybe talk about the practical ideas of what we can do. And I, one of the things I thought about this morning, like I think it'd be very, very good for any of us, I haven't done this yet, but um, just to make a list uh, of people and, and not an exhaustive list, but number one, who has God uh, called you without a shadow of a doubt, called you to live in community with? Mm-hmm. You know, your family members, maybe your small group members um, that God has called you to. And there's people that God has called you to mentor. There's people that God has maybe given you as mentors. And so who are those people? And then maybe the next part of the list, the next tier is who are those people that maybe God has put in your life um, at not as an intense level, but for you to continue to connect with. And then I, I think during this time, it might be healthy to just kind of kind of working through the list mechanically and checking it off. You know, mm-hmm. we go to group, whether we feel like it or not. <laughs> we, right. we go to work every day just because that's the time to go to work. Right. And I think maybe we need to apply the same kind of discipline in this way because, again, if we don't, we'll just slip back. So that's one thing, um, you know, to check in with people, um, to, um, you know, through the different forms of, uh, of media or uh, just phone calls, I just think are, are so good. And, th- and then, again, we can meet outside with people. I've been running with a guy on Sundays that's in our group, and it's been it's been really good for both of us to get out and get away. Mm-hmm. I went for a run myself, and this was an, kind of one of those divine encounters, um, but <laughs> went for a run um, this, I think it was Saturday, and ended up running into one of our group members. Literally, she was running the other way along the same <laughs> path where nobody was, and oh, here my. she comes, and we hardly recognized each other because I had a hat on. She couldn't see my bald head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and as I got closer and closer, I was like, oh, hey, we know each other. And then we started talking about a real concern in her life that we've been, my wife and I have been praying of, about for her, and it kind of re- reminded me, and so we prayed again. Di- Diane and I prayed again this morning for her. But those mm-hmm. kind of things can happen as we, I think, are, you know, praying for those opportunities. Yeah. So big picture, uh, I think in terms of engagement, effectively engaging people 
in our community, but also effectively engaging people outside of our community. Right. I think there's a huge lesson to be learned from China. There's a huge lesson to be learned from the scriptures and the life of Jesus about what it looks like to get before him kind of on a daily basis for um, marching orders and, and things like that. And, uh, but I, I want to drill down a little more in terms of getting highly practical. Cause I really like to stay kind of like big yes. picture and like, Oh, look what happened mm -hmm. in China and what could happen in America. And we live mm -hmm. in this COVID world, but even after it fades, like who there could be future waves where like gatherings are shut down or whatever. Like right. we, we do need to come into this place in the big picture where we are fully formed disciples of Jesus, making fully formed disciples of Jesus that are then going to be raised up and sent out to form to go and and form more fully formed right. disciples of Jesus. And you see that in China and I hear that in your heart for your small group of like I see these young people what we tell them, here's our heart. It's not just that you would like gain from our 30 40 years of wisdom or whatever in yeah. following Jesus. It's that you would actually be raised up and you could be released and fully formed. And that's that's the only way it can happen in China. Like right. if you're not fully formed and you can't fully form others, that's it. It just die, it just dies in the water. And right. so and they've done that and I think we should we need to learn how to do that and come into this place as the American church where in-person gatherings and the Sunday gathering is like this beautiful bonus for people who are fully formed and forming others, if that makes sense. And right. we're not perfect, but you know what I mean by that mm -hmm. fully formed imagery that we can do it. We can, we can get after it ourselves. So I think that's big picture. That's really important. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like, what does Tuesday morning look like? What should I do? You know, uh, tomorrow morning when I wake up on, on Thursday and like, how, how do I actually go, go about this? And what are some of the unique opportunities that we should be taking advantage of in, in the midst of, uh, the disorientation of COVID-19? Well, that's why I was saying like, like, first of all, I think, um, you know, spending time with the Lord to prepare your heart and getting, uh, you know, getting his heart, uh, you know, spending time with the scriptures, uh, doing discovery Bible study types of things just to, it's, it always amazes me how much the Lord will speak out of that. But then uh, I, I would like I'm suggesting maybe you have that list and you work through the list and you're not trying to pray for everybody every day that, because it's right. just kind of impractical for time at least to do real intercession. And so maybe you work through your list. And so so you have some people you pray for every day. Maybe there is some people you pray for once a week, but you kind of have this intentional prayer time. And then out of that, you're asking the Lord, is there something that the Lord would want me to do, and one of those things might be to contact them. Mm -hmm. Another thing would be to do something for Him. It doesn't. We still can do a work of service. Um, right. Uh, there's. We, we have lots of people like dropping off food and like yes. finding families around them in the neighborhood. Yes. Or friends that they have who have lost jobs, and just saying, "Hey, it's part of the uniqueness right now." One of the unique things is everybody's pretty lonely. Right. One is that everyone's pretty fearful and the other is that there's just practical needs. Yes. And so as followers of Jesus, we can speak into all of those things. We can, we can be present and yes. be a non-anxious presence that makes people feel yes. more comforted and less lonely. We have a hope that we speak into fear and anxiety and uncertain futures in the here and now. Yeah. Um, and w most of us have something to give in terms of resources yes. and meeting practical needs. And we have stories of that well, like too. My wife literally, um, we read about a, a woman who lives two doors from us who lost her job. She was in the paper about it. And so Diana... Uh, had an idea, and she cut some uh, some stems of uh, some uh, spring 
flowers, I think it was forsythia or something that, that um, you just put it in water and it brings out these brilliant yellow flowers. And, and so she cut some of those and put it in, uh, in a vase or something. And she had a jar of jam, homemade jam that she had, and she uh, wrote a little note and, and put it on their doorstep. So a little, and I don't know if they're believers, I don't believe they are, but a little thing like that that we can do but you know who knows i mean again in prayer as we we were praying for our neighbors that you know maybe maybe diana would feel like making um you know a jar of jam for everybody you know in the in our local little neighborhood or maybe there is um there is practical realizing that you know you can go outside and that you see a need to you know rake or to you know trim trees or whatever you know what what can we there's things that we can do practically for people mm-hmm. you go and wash their car i mean you know I, I don't know but there's there's things like that besides the the connection um and you want to uh, share do you remember what hannah said about that the kind of that accountability group that she was she had started last night you remember that uh, I, d- okay. I don't actually <laughs> so one of one of our leaders last night in the, in the zoom meeting as i recall thought it was hannah that was sharing that um, she wanted to uh, just get some accountability for like uh, doing devotional time for herself. And so she invited several people to be a part of that group. And I don't know if they were doing a Zoom meeting or just kind of texting or emailing or something about it, but they, they gathered some people together to do that. But again, that's a way without physically meeting that you could hold each other accountable and that could be like people in a small group or maybe you and a friend or maybe you a person who just came to the lord and said hey would you like to um diane and i are working our way through the book of luke and you can invite somebody else to do the same thing and Mm. and say hey you know share you know when you you know see something that's interesting you know text it to me what did you notice Mm. um we have a a young woman who's a fairly new christian in our group that uh that does is I think probably gets several different devotionals, like online devotionals, and she's always forwarding things to us, like quotes or, or songs, or we we send those around. You know, just those are some other practical things. Other yeah. So yeah, I mean, lots of like endless numbers of ways that like within the community of disciples, we can still be encouraging one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like kind of ending with some of those thoughts on. Uh, I, I think for me, when I think about engaging the outsider in this moment, it has to be a little more creative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I think there really are opportunities, whether it's just, you know, making, you know, baking banana bread or whatever and just going and like handing it out to neighbors and, you know, doing things like that, reaching out to people who aren't following Jesus, but you know, they've lost their jobs or their, their, their business is under threat or whatever it is and, um, offering to, to be that, uh, offering whatever like support and encouragement that you have for them, uh, offering to pray for them, whatever it is. And so I, I, I heard the other day, this quote, there are no atheists in foxholes. Right. Um, and I'd never heard that before. Really? I was like, what does that mean? What do you mean? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are like, but, <laughs> but someone ex- unpacked the phrase and said like in a time of war, when you're actually out yeah. there and the bombs are going off and you're in a foxhole, your kind of atheism goes out the window and it's just like, God, if you're there, I'm, I'm ready now. Like I'm open now because this might be the last minute I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's not quite that, 
drastic for most people, but there is that sense of a kind of desperation and a fresh sense of openness, I think. And so it's not just meeting practical needs, but also the scriptures say, hey, be ready in season and out of season. Always be ready to explain the hope that you have. And so as we operate as a non-anxious present, none of us are perfect. We're all going to have our moments of disorientation and selfishness and anxiety and making mistakes and whatever it is. But for the most part, we have this ability... Uh, the scriptures say um, that we'll shine like stars in our generation. And I, I love that imagery of like, what, what does that look like? If we're lighting up, if we're full of Christ, if we're shining like stars in our generation, what was a star in the ancient world? Well, it, it lit up in the night and it allowed people to navigate in the darkness. And there's this sense of like darkness and disorientation over our culture. Mm-hmm. And I think our disciples of Jesus should be these stars, almost helping people chart this course to and navigate through saying oh, these little signposts saying, hey, there's life here. There's life in this Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth. There's hope in him. There's a groundedness in him uh, that goes way beyond anything the world has to offer. And in a sense, the world has less to offer right now than it ever has for a lot of people. Right. And and so I think there's really an opportunity to um, light up in a sense and uh, to be that presence in people's lives. And it begs the question, where where is this? Where Where do you get this sense of hope? Why are you why are you not afraid as someone was recently asked by uh, by their by their muslim neighbor are you afraid um and um it, my my friend followers follower of jesus said uh, no I, I don't operate by fear i operate by faith um and and that's just like opened up this door for them to like well, wait, wait a second what do you mean by that Oh, well, let me tell you, you know, and, and so I think there are those opportunities and there's a ripeness there that if we all become shut-ins for the next couple of months and just kind of hunker down, everybody wait for the Sunday gathering, you know, hold your breath. Like, no, 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 no. We have to like throw that out and say, what have they been doing in China um, for all of these decades? What can we be doing? How do we get after this ourselves? I'm going to pray. I'm going to do silence and solitude. I'm going to do listening prayer. I'm going to have my list and I'm going to say, and it's going to come down to the practical, the meeting real practical needs, real words of encouragement and real words of hope when that door is opened and those questions are asked or whatever it is to be able to share the hope that you have. There's a tremendous moment. And I think honestly, a, a lot of fertile soil. And if we just kind of all become recluses, uh, for the next couple of months, we're, we're just going to miss that opportunity. Well, to and I, I think we forget the things we can do, you know, just even being out um, in our, in our neighborhood, you, you know, just, you can, you can go for walks and you see somebody walking and you can, you know, invite yourself, say, Hey, can I join you? Or what, you know, you can keep your distance. But, uh, and I think during this time, people are particularly appreciative of those little gestures that you mm. might do. Yeah. The, I mean, do. whether it's dropping off food for people in need or just like we had like got like donuts the other day and just went and like passed them out and, right. and in a, in a safe, you know, yeah. way so that, you know, there wasn't whatever, yeah. but uh, in a way that made people feel comfortable, but we just went around to all of our neighbors and just said, Hey, like, we just want to, we just want to give this to you. Like, we're here for you. Like, let us know. And I, there's just so much opportunity that people were very moved by that. And there's, been a I think a a sense of even kind of unity and camaraderie within our block that we didn't have before any of this hit so go for it yeah well any closing thoughts 
No, I just think um, I'm I'm as challenged as anybody. We we just have to change our change our game, and mm-hmm. I think it's an I think we need to see it as an opportunity, uh, and I think the church is supposed to lead the culture, as mm-hmm. we're always supposed to be the light right. in the world, and so we have to I think seek the Lord and get creative ideas of mm-hmm. how to do that and how to do it well. Totally. Awesome. Would you pray for us as we close? Sure. Lord, uh, we uh, we are challenged during this time for following you. We need to learn uh, how to follow you when the 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 way is is darker and, and it's uncharted territory for us. And so I pray that you would Give us those creative ideas. Give us the insight. Give us the people that um, you would call each of us to to invest in, to follow through with, Lord. Especially those people who are lonely, those people who are uh, who don't know you. Help us to have a special ear and eye for those to reach out to, and and help us to especially to get away from our self-centered reclusive patterns that we might have, our self-centered mindset, and help us in this time to really hear you calling us to fulfill the Great Commission, that this is an opportunity for us to shine as stars in the universe. Help us to do that. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.